Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday morning, a different kind of Tuesday morning this week as we have some kind of frozen white stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, that's actually about the second time this week we've uh, had people uh, you know, go to work or, or maybe when they get to work find out there's snow everywhere. So snow on the ground. It is going to keep the snowing off and on for another about two hours. Uh, but then things will clear up. It'll be a, a nicer evening and afternoon and evening than tomorrow in the 60s. And then by Thursday, 70. Yeah, 70, 70 for the weekend. So, uh, you know, that's St. George for you, right? Uh, I've got a uh, special guest today. Gil Almquist, Washington County Commissioner, is with me. Gil, how you doing? I'm great. Good morning. It's fun to be here and to wake up to some water. The the snow. You you a fan? You you, you like occasional once a year snowstorm or twice uh, a year? Grew up in Lake Arrowhead, California, up high in the mountains, and loved the snow. I uh, feel like I don't get cold because all during my youth we were out all day, just acclimating our body to being frozen half the time. And where where's Lake Arrowhead is in relation to say L.A., San Francisco, San Diego, et cetera? When you go to San Bernardino, okay. So if you're in the high desert. Barstow, Victorville, and you drop down in to go to the uh, lower areas, Orange County, Disneyland, all that. Yeah. On your left, it says Mountain Resort Communities. There's a turnoff there. and Really? Lake Arrowhead, Big Bear. A lot of people here oh, have I've got been Big, to Big Bear. Oh, yeah, I've been there. A lot of good s- ski resorts up there. Not the perfect Utah snow, but uh, right. that's where I grew up. It was okay. a great place. Yeah, cool. So I guess you you're, are or were a skier? You know, I uh, had lots of friends who had ditched that last couple of periods of the day and go skiing, but uh, I didn't climb in the car with them. Um, I I can ski, but watch out because I'm out of control. <laughs> <laughs> you ever try snowboarding, by the way? Nope. No, me neither. I try to take care of your body when you're self-employed like I've been for 40 years. <laughs> That's a good point. Talking with Gil Almquist, Washington County Commissioner, uh, addressing, you know, I, I have uh, friends who uh, work up at Enterprise and had a pretty nasty drive this morning. What What is the county's uh, uh, preparation model for when, when your county roads get pretty snowy? You know, we've been blessed to have a lot of partners. Mm-hmm. So even some private partners that do some of the small roads, of course, unincorporated incorporated areas of the county are roads that generally have some overlay with UDOT. Right. And so state roads, we rely on them quite heavily. Okay. But uh, our road crews through Ron Whitehead are always very sensitive to areas like Pine Valley, Mm -hmm. which we are responsible for. There's a lot of wonderful citizens up there that do some of their own smaller roads and stuff. But we'll dispatch where we need to and have equipment, although... We don't invest in a lot of snow plows. That isn't, you know, our best interest I for, imagine, yeah. for the citizens' uh, taxpayers' money. But on the other hand, we, we're ready. We, we can do it. It, uh, it has been a crazy morning. Again, the snow is going to continue uh, off and on for the next couple hours. I think the, the, the thickest stuff is done already. I agree. Between 6 and 7 this morning. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, we're not going to have any more bad roads, I don't think, at least where we are. In fact, the roads in St. George never got really – I've been watching Bluff Street all morning. It never got more than wet. Yes. So so that's good news. Uh, 
the big big event coming up for the county is the uh, Washington County Fair. That is yes. uh, a month away, less a little less than a month away from right now. Yep, you're right. And for the first time in a long time, it's not in the heat of the late summer, but rather in a spring sort of weather pattern, hopefully in the 70s and 80s. And yeah. we hope everyone will, will come out a little different this year. It used to be that your parking fee was your entry. Right. And so with the advice of their board out there and some of the supervisors in charge, they said, why don't we combine with our Rotary Club volunteers and do an admission fee instead? And some of the problems we found out from the past were that a mom or family would like to drop their kids off and enjoy the fair, and then they paid the $5 to park, but then they just left. And then when they came and picked the kids back up, they had to pay another $5. Yeah, yeah. Or So we're going to have a day pass uh, so that somebody can come in, enjoy the fair, be able to come and go a little freer, and uh, feel like most fairs that that's fairly typical of how they do it. Admission for an entire family is still 5 bucks. So uh, individuals can come in for two bucks, and I don't know the exact number, but some kids are free. <laughs> yeah. Do do you uh, have you had pushback on uh, the move to spring? I, I mean, I, I hear people say, "Well, you know, what about the crops and what about the animals and stuff like that?" And yet, I have not really heard anybody go, "Well, this is this is terrible. I hate this." You know, some people might think it kind of weird, but I kind of like going and seeing the 500-pound pumpkin. Yeah. No, <laughs> you, no, I don't blame you. Yeah. That you get in the fall or yeah. the produce and things. But as far as those that display animals and even some of their other crops that they've been able to, to foster, we haven't had any pushback against that. Mm-hmm. I think most people will like to sit in a stand and not be sweating and right. and enjoy other things. The, the fair will obviously morph into some things that uh, that we'll miss but uh, others will pick up that we didn't expect so with the emergence of the vaccines and you and I both have been vaccinated yes. now Johnson Johnson vaccine uh, do do you feel like there's going to be a sense of normalcy a little bit this year uh, c- compared to what has been you know absolutely we've had rodeos we've had other events we've watched that there's no real surge from those things as the year has gone by. They've seen how that transmitted, how the disease is really transmitted. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily in the events where people are masked up and even families sit together that aren't masked. And the transmission seems to be in close proximity to each other in homes and with uh, visiting relatives, not necessarily unknowns that are sitting near each other at an event. So we're hoping to free up quite a bit. Over a million vaccines have been given in the state. And Dr. Blodgett and his amazing crew are pushing through about 4,100 a day at the senior center here in St. George. And what was originally a lot of complaints about the phone-in system and how you could sign up for a vaccine have pretty much gone away. We'd like to service the outlying community a little bit, especially on the east side, but we're working on a plan how to do that, especially for people that don't have transportation or the ability to travel here to St. George. But um, I'm very optimistic. We've not only turned the corner, but see the light at the end of the tunnel quite closely. 
By the way, uh, 29 days, 9 hours, and 43 minutes to the start of the fair. Susie LaFaele on the website, thewascofair.net, <laughs> has a countdown ticker for you in case you're wondering. Uh, Susie has, uh, I think, done a fantastic job of really turning this ship around. And not that there was anything wrong with the old fair, but she had to change dates. She had to change some attitudes. She had to change a bunch of things. Uh, and it's not been an easy job, but she's, she's up for the task, huh? Yes, and she did that same kind of amazing work with the fair when the chamber had it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to hire her to run it for us amongst other many tasks that she has for scheduling other events, I can't help but uh, thank her for what she's done. We'll be KDXU. We'll be in the fair parade. We'll have the KDXU vehicle. Hopefully it doesn't break down on the parade right now. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty old. It's, it's uh, older than a couple of my children. Okay. So. <laughs> But uh, got got the fair parade. It's going to be, I believe, in Washington City this year, right? Yes. Uh, Demolition Derby. Of course, they'll have the the uh, carnival. Um, is there going to be? Are, are you going to? Do you think that they're going to have to do like uh, social distancing for the for the demolition derby, or how's that going to work? Do you have any idea? Well, we're constantly in sync with our health department, and they'll make a call on to what sort of distancing. I went to the one, oh, let's see, last year, and there was it was a fair amount of distancing, and, and, you know, I can say that most people are respectful of each other, and the same rules apply. If you're sick, stay home. If you're vulnerable, stay home. Yeah. If you're out there with your family and you're all pretty much genetically connected, go enjoy the demo derby, but... We'll, we'll follow the cue of our health director. And, again, in 29 days, a lot of things are going to happen. There'll probably be more like one and a half million vaccines given in the state. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll have outsiders that are coming in from other states. We can't help that. But good question. The future is uncertain. <laughs> Some of the activities with the fair, the parade, by the way, is on Tuesday, April 13th. I think that's an afternoon parade, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and then on the 14th, uh, they'll have a, a bunch of uh, live music and entertainment, including the Rock Bottom Boys, rock and roll with a hillbilly twist. I like that. Uh, and then on Thursday, it'll be Military Day. There'll be barrel racing and uh, all kinds of uh, fun uh, uh, live music and shows. Friday, April the 16th, and Saturday, the April 17th, is a, is the culmination with the, uh, with the uh, Demolition Derby, I think, is extremely popular. Yes, and Susie's been good also to move the food court around. There'll be various uh, places to go to get food that will spread people out, especially as they try to line up for fair food. <laughs> and uh, yeah, something you so only, you only get once a year. Good, good planning to uh, to try and space that out. The only place you can get a a, a, a treat. What was it? The butter dipped in. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I don't know, but I know they have deep-fried Oreos yeah. and deep-fried Twinkies. Yeah, so. it's like 10,000 calories in yeah. one, but hey, it's the fair. you got to do it. There is a contest on Saturday afternoon at the fair that uh, that kind of piqued my interest. Now, when I first saw it, it said salsa contest. I thought it was a dance. They were going to do oh, a salsa. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is actually salsa the food. You bring two cups of your best fresh salsa with a copy of the recipe to the Home Arts Building, and uh, they're going to judge the salsa. How, how cool is that? My wife is a salsa maker. Maybe I can talk her into making a batch. 
Yeah, mine too. In fact, it's kind of funny that my wife for Christmas will make salsa and chips, at, you know, for buy the chips, but for Christmas. And people have come to expect that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a you tradition know? now. Huh? Yes. <laughs> people meaning your kids or just people in general? Uh, our neighbors giving okay. us gifts and okay. things like that. So I'll be excited to see that. I'll bring the judges some Tums. <laughs> It is uh, the County Fair, April 14th through 17th, with the parade on the 13th. And, again, that will be out there at, uh, what are we calling it now, Legacy Park? It's no longer Purgatory Flats or anything. It's, it's <laughs> right, it's Legacy. Legacy Park now. So I can't let that one go. Sorry. Sorry. See, every time I say that, Susie gives me a, a funny look, like, don't call it that. But uh, Well, the sheriff, when they transport out there, they they see the Purgatory <laughs> facility, and I, I'm sure each of those inmates think where am i going <laughs> <laughs> yeah if it's your first time for sure yeah uh, we're talking with gil almquist washington county commissioner if you'd like to call into the show at 673-5890 we'll be taking your texts as well 435-467-5842 is our text line and uh, you can reach me uh, you can go and look for andy griffin on facebook or you can email me a griffin at cherrycreekmedia.com a lot of ways to get a hold of us only thing holding us holding you back is you Right. So, yes, uh, well, let's, we'll talk about water a little bit. We've got a break coming up in about six or seven minutes, but uh, I want to talk about water a little bit. We had, of course, Zach Renstrom is a, a monthly guest on this program from the Water Conservancy District. And uh, he's made no bones about it, that he is very concerned uh, this year because we didn't get the snowpack. And it's kind of ironic we're talking about that with all the snow I'm looking at right now. But uh, he was really concerned about the snowpack and, and the fact that we didn't have what up in the mountains what we need. Uh, I'll ask you right out, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but are these couple of storms we just had, did it fix that, or are we still in trouble? You know, it'll make a difference. I think maybe a bad analogy for some, but if you look at your tire and it's flat and you pull up to the air station and put some air in it, Mm -hmm. Maybe we put 10 or 15 pounds in it, and we might be able to get home on that tire now. Yeah. But we did not really fully inflate at all. I think Zach may have mentioned that for the first year, we have a great risk of not filling all of our reservoirs, which, of course, you know, we drink down over the summer. Yeah. And we can transfer water and do the best things that we can, but if, if it's, it's not flowing into the bathtub, it's only going to get half full. But this has been a godsend, really. We'll take it. We love it. I like your tire analogy. Put put some air in the tire, but it's still going to go flat if we don't fill it all the way up. Yeah. Exactly. And part of looking forward and planning for the future is to build reservoirs and build the pipeline that's been talked about. But it seems like everywhere we turn, even if it means trying to keep or get our own Utah water, we have pushback. Yeah. And whether it's environmental groups and, you know, we're not destroying the environment by creating in a valley of junipers and sagebrush a reservoir, but they seem to think that no water means no people and that means no impact. Mm. And then the environment can thrive and all the humans will go away. Yeah. But that's not been the case this year. Where are we going to go? Yeah. <laughs> We've got to be somewhere. Right. Well, and I remember year 2000, we were talking to Ron Thompson and city mm-hmm. council and giving us water forecasts, and they were starting to talk about the Lake Powell Pipeline. And he said, somewhere around 2020, 2022, 
we'll be out of water. And that was even without this explosive growth that we've had now and the 2005 to 2008 years. And I, in my back of my mind, was thinking, oh, that's so far out. It's so way out there, you know. And I wasn't as concerned then, although I've always been water conscious in my landscapes that I installed and things like that. But um, we're here now, and Ron's prediction is now. We have great people working on it, but boy, you, you can't control the weather and you can't control the outsiders that are saying, we're going to keep that free water you've been giving us and no, you can't have it back. Is the, is the pushback, is it, I mean, obviously someone downriver not wanting us to, to take the water that is rightfully, I mean, long ago established is, is our water. Yeah. Uh, who is, who's making the biggest noise? Is it California? Initially. Yeah. But... California's actually been more cooperative, but Arizona's been the real, and Nevada have been real tough, real mm-hmm. sticks in the mud there, so to speak. And they've had their straw in our glass, and they've been drinking it. And quite frankly, when we say, well, hey, we'd like to have a full drink of water ourselves, they said, hey, well, we're keeping our straw in your glass. Mm. That's tough. It that, is tough. That is tough. Um is this the kind of thing that's going to go to courts, and yes. high courts, and, and be all kinds of landmark decisions? You know, what's interesting is our legislature just passed sort of a Protect Our Rights to Water Act and put some money in there because $9 million, to be honest, to fight this battle and wow. let everyone know that uh, they can't have our rights given to us to that water and uh, <clears throat> we're just going to try to fight back. We've been so nice in the past, but now we can't be that nice. It, it seems like to me that, uh, you know, we're talking about states with big populations, in particular Arizona and then, of course, California. Uh, they could make the case, well, we have, in California's case, we have, what, 50 million people in the state or whatever the number is. Right. Uh, we deserve to have more than we was originally uh, uh, meted out. And right. It, would a court listen to something like that? That will be their argument. Hopefully courts will follow precedence when it comes to water and honor previous arrangements, previous legal documents. Mm-hmm. And just because someone grew exponentially doesn't mean that they still have the right to you know, move into your house or, or eat your food. Right. We've been promised a certain amount of water, and Utah up until now has been just watching it go down the river, so to speak, and or literally, yeah. <laughs> and yet 11% of the water allocated to Utah has not been used by us. And we're just asking through the Lake Powell Pipeline for 6% of that 11 hmm. and uh it's kind of crazy that someone would think, no, I'm going to continue to take your water. In fact, I'm going to get a judge that says, that ignores that original compact and says, uh, no, I'm going to give it to California now hmm. or anywhere else. But California's been actually, according to Zach and others, been more friendly. They realize they can't drink the entire West Dry. Yeah. And half of California seems to be moving here. So, the the <laughs> Is there... I mean, obviously, the reason they want the water is because they feel like they need the water, right? And, and, and so, you know, 
I, I don't want to make them happy by giving them our water. And in fact, we're not even going to asking to take all of it back. Right. Uh, but th- if the answer is we get to keep our water, which was the answer we want, what does that do to them? Though? Where are they going to get water? Because uh, they, they need it, right? It's an interesting thing. For 30 years almost, my wife and I have been going to Cabo San Lucas. Mm-hmm. It's been a family thing. Every we year? do service down there. We've enjoyed it. It's Again, at Christmas time, which kind of ties the salsa together with uh, ah, with it, yeah. uh, people know that we go, and uh, <clears throat> yet that place has exploded over that period of time. And new resorts, and giant pools, and waterfalls. And I'm thinking, I fly over this peninsula down here, and there's no way that the Baja has that water. Right. Well, they desalinate. Do they? I found out. That's where they get their water. And according to Zach, that's pretty expensive. It is, but if you live right on the ocean mm-hmm. and you've got a steady stream of two things coming there, power and tourists, people, you're yeah. you're going to do what you have to do. Hmm. And it's not cheap to have get water down there, so there's not a lot of giant lawns, but they want the things that tourists want and expect. And so that desalinization is... Uh, going on down there, which is their solution, and it probably should be California's solution too. Right there. I mean, what do they have? Uh, Seven hundred miles of coastline or something. Yeah. yeah. And the technology for desalinization has gotten much better. So um, they've talked about all kinds of trade-offs, like okay, you keep your water, you pay for our desalinization. That was a deal they tried to make with Nevada. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> you, you get to keep your water and help us pay for ours. It is the weirdest uh, things that sometimes they suggest. But the fact is, Utah needs to step forward and control our own water allocation. Which, by the way, people listening, when they talk about Lake Powell Pipeline, we're really talking about Flaming Gorge. Because that's where our water allocation comes from. And if you were able to color the water, let's say, green... Okay. that would come out of Flaming Gorge all the way down the Green River, makes sense, right? Yeah. And keep it green when it got to Lake Powell, clear to the pipeline's intake. Then that's the way people have to, to look at it. Let all the red-colored Colorado water stay in Powell and go downstream. But our green-colored water would come into our pipeline and serve our people here out of Flaming Gorge. That is fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, and... Flaming Gorge, Green River is not very close to here. Flaming Gorge is way up there in north yeah. north uh, eastern Utah, and that's where that's where the water would be coming from. That's where people. allocation comes from. Yes, hmm. that is fascinating. Learn something new every day. <laughs> We're with Gil Onquist, Washington County Commissioner. We're going to give Gil a break. We'll take uh, play a couple of commercials and uh, check in with weather. You all right, Gil? Great. All right, sounds good. Welcome back to the program, 935 on KDXU. Andy Griffin with you. Gil Onquist spending a few minutes with us today. Gil, how are you? Doing all right? Yeah, it's been great. It's been great to talk to you about all sorts of things, including water. And before you maybe take a call or transfer over, maybe we could talk about some of the things that we could do to uh, make sure that our water lasts. One of them is uh, people have talked about conservation of water, and their first thought is, well, I'm going to, tear out all my grass and I'm going to cut down all my trees and maybe I'll take a five minute shorter shower or something. But let's understand that there are experts that know about conservation 
and that they should be consulted. I've, I want to give a plug to the Washington County Water Conservancy District's website. They have a lot of water conservation ideas. In fact, there's like 20 of them, one of which is uh, pool covers. Now, granted, a lot of people put them on there for safety, mm-hmm. but what they don't realize is that in the middle of summer here, their pool will evaporate one quarter of an inch a day. Wow. Now, if you have an eight-foot deep pool and you put no water in it starting in, let's say, early June, by August, it will be completely empty. Really? Wow. And so people don't realize just how much evaporation because a lot of people have automatic pool fills or things like that, but that is a lot of water, and we have a lot of pools. So even just a simple little plastic cover, which you can buy a little kind of like bubble wrap stuff that we use at our pool, Mm -hmm. not only does it add a time to the beginning and end of our season, which we use uh, solar to heat our pool, Mm -hmm. but it also, during the summer, prevents the evaporation. And people say, well, my pool gets too hot then. We'll take it off at night because the evaporation occurs mostly during the day. But that will save millions of gallons of water. Um, But don't tear out all your trees either. I remember a neighbor tore out the most beautiful big tree, shaded their entire west side of the house. Their power bill soared because in the summer. And when I asked her, I said, why'd you take that out? They said, well, this, it was, the roots were in my lawn. I'm thinking you never even sat on your lawn. (laughs) It was just a tiny piece of lawn and they ruined the, they took out a $10,000 worth value tree. So anyway, uh, part of what keeps our heat island from getting too hot are the trees that we have. And we have so many wonderful tree experts around that are local companies, um, shy away from hiring the Salt Lake companies that come down here and just mooch off of us and take our, you know, they just, they want to cut down every tree here and then they'll go back to Salt Lake. Yeah. Uh, so be careful. There's some real criminals out there that are operating here without a license, but local companies are amazing and they will trim your trees and even trim your roots where possible. Yeah, we, we have uh, someone texted me uh, and, and said, ask the commissioner why he's asking us to conserve uh, water when the builders, people throwing up houses in a big hurry and stuff, don't seem too concerned about that. Uh, and, and I guess he makes a good point in that, you know, the growth is explosive, the growth is coming. Uh, and yet, you know, you say, well, I've already lived here. I've been here two decades or three decades or five decades. Uh, why do I have to save water so they can come? Well, they're paying quite a hefty price to have that water. They have to pay a, a fee, as it were, mm-hmm. to impact fee. I, an impact fee that provides the resources going forward, the money to develop our reservoirs and other sources of water. We are doing better in Washington County overall at 33% of the less water through conservation than we used even a decade ago per capita. So that's an amazing uh, thing. There's no doubt that the person who texted you with that question says, um, why is Little Valley exploding? And I go out there and there's lawns and, and things like that. Right. Don't don't forget, folks, that we also have reuse water. And our golf courses, many parks, schools are using that <clears throat> reuse water that comes out of the treatment plant. And that's being diverted continually as a way of not sending it down the river after we've treated it, but rather put it back through the system. But um, 
if you look at projects around, there's a lot less grass and a lot more drought-tolerant trees and bushes that will still green up the area but not drink the water. Um, if, if that person who said, well, hey, I'm here, and I've been here for 30 years, and I don't want anybody else coming here and telling me I have a have to take a five minute shower so that they can have a, you know, twenty thousand gallon pool. Yeah. Um, he makes a good point, and yet there, it's not that simple to simply say, "Hey, help other people to come here." And reality is, is that both the Southern Utah Home Builders, Water Conservancy District are very sensitive on how that water is being used for new construction. Phone number is 673-5890. If you want to talk with Gil or I here on the Andy Griffin Show, uh, you can text me, 435-467-5842. I had another text, and I've lost it. I'll see if I can find that. Uh, oh, yeah, it's uh, basically, I'm going to summarize it because it's pretty long. Uh, the city recently had uh, uh, application for bar permits, and they allowed another bar or whatever. I don't know the numbers exactly now. He said, but what, what happens if someone wants to set up a bar and it's not in an incorporated city? What's the process there? Is that something that you guys would look at as a commission? Say it was in, in un, unincorporated St. George. Well, <clears throat> in the unincorporated county, we have a normal process like any city does for business application, mm-hmm. and it all the same rules apply, whether it's close to a church or a school, there's distancing required, but uh, we would treat that as any other application. And uh, granted, we often work with cities. So for example, let's say St. George has a a bar or a limit on alcohol distribution. Mm -hmm. And of course the state really does control that. It's, we can't just say, okay, we want 50 bars right um it's really more controlled by the state this but is if, a, this is in idaho by the way <laughs> but Sorry. um I, I lived in a town moscow idaho that had uh the most bars per capita of any city in america so, okay anyway go ahead anyway so um but if if somebody wants to set up let's say in an unincorporated area right next to springdale we would obviously consult with springdale and see you know does that work with you? Does that comp- comply somewhat with your own ordinances? And how would we not impact what you do? Um, it's always funny that when you go to Canab, you pass through Arizona and just the, right when you get to the Utah border, just before that, there's two or three bars and yeah. a liquor store yeah. right on the edge of Canab. So it's legal and it's it's fine. It serves that population that enjoys a drink, but it's just funny that it's right on the border. Yeah, it's uh... I, I uh, used to work in Pre- when I was in college in Logan. Uh, I used to work in uh, Preston, Idaho, and right between Preston and Logan, there's a little town called Franklin, Idaho. Oh yes. And Franklin had, I mean, this little teeny town had a couple of bars and it had a convenience store that was the number one lottery selling <laughs> uh, uh, convenience store in anywhere in the United States, and that's because all the people from Utah would go right <laughs> across the border and buy their lottery tickets. Sure. So it was very popular, especially when the, the, the Powerball or Mega Millions or whatever they are right. got way up there. Then all of a sudden they'd get very, very busy. All right, we got some phone calls. Should we take a few calls? Sure. All right. Uh, hey, thanks for calling. You're on with Gil Almquist and Andy Griffin. What's up? Hey, so I want to go back to water really quick. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Virgin River, I look at how much water we're dumping down the gorge through the Virgin River. 
why can't we utilize that water that's already right here rather than pipe it across the state? You know, what's really crazy is I live right across from the Dixie Center, and I see that river every day. And Zach Renstrom could show you a text I sent him in a picture about 10 days ago and saying, Zach, why are we sending this water right past my house? It never dries up. Used to in the summer. Now it doesn't. Um, why are we sending that down through the gorge? And I think most of us who've lived here a long time know that even the gorge dried up starting mid-July and never saw water again until September. Well, now it's never really dry. Well, part of the uh, answer to that is that the reuse plant down by Bloomington sends water down that it's been treating. But we're trying to build two reservoirs that will capture that water, uh, one up by Tokerville and then one in the Warner Valley. And it's no secret that people, for some reason, again, want to save something that we have plenty of, but because one of those is in this valley of, let's say, Warner Valley, they put up a big stink and sue us and slow it down. But if we could get Warner Valley built and the Tokerville Reservoir, we could start to recapture that water and stop sending it down there. I, If you and I had a mind meld, it would be identical because I feel the same way. We're trying. You know, okay, great. You no, know, that's perfect. And you might say, well, gee, if we can't fill quail, why aren't we taking the water from down you know, by the Dixie Center or through the gorge, and why aren't we putting that in quail? Well, we have such an amazing network of pipelines that really do circulate water throughout the county, but we haven't solved that little um, step yet okay. of how to get it from Bloomington to Leeds. Okay. Let's go back to the line, uh, line two. Hey, you're on with Andy and with Gil. What's up? Good morning. My, Good morning. my question goes along with that question. Um, you know, if you, if you were to be able to take the Virgin River, why couldn't we have a nice little reservoir right there between pretty much Bloomington and Riverside or River Drive? You know, cut that out and, you know, just make it for fishing and small little uh, rowboats type thing and, you know, and, you, and use that water for this area. That would be, you know, perfect. And, Are you talking about between Bloomington and River Road? along the Southern Parkway that way or, yeah. um, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, Hey, you know, I like the idea. Sadly, the Southern Parkway butts right up against Arizona. And so we wouldn't have room to go into Arizona and build a reservoir. But, um, years ago I, I quipped and I said, well, Hey, why don't we just flood all of Bloomington? We'll make a nice big reservoir there. And of course I was teasing my friends that lived in Bloomington, but, um, there is another spot over by Coral Canyon, actually, that I was talking to Zach about the other day, saying this is a narrow little spot between two strong bodies of uh, rock. We could make another little lake right here, basically where you turn off to go to the landfill. There's a little valley there that sometimes right. collects water, yeah. and we're looking into that one, <clears throat> which would be a place uh, we could I'm store. Well, I'm actually talking about, like, right there where Dixie... Dixie Center is and River Road. Why couldn't they cut that out deeper and a little bit wider and make that a nice kind of river walk type of, you know, area where it's like, a you know, fishing and all that stuff right there in town is what I'm talking about. 
Uh huh. Like below uh, St. James area and below the along the Virgin River there, dig it out. Yep. Yeah. Um, totally great idea. You know what though? It's interesting to note that the Army Corps of Engineers that controls the Virgin and a lot of environmental groups won't let us do that. It just they just step right in our way and won't let it. It would be beautiful. A beautiful place to do a river walk type of thing, like you know, like uh, San Antonio. I think that's where it's at. Totally agree with you. Um, It's like Congressman Stewart one day said when after the new administration took place, he said, "Go over to that wall there and bang your head against it," because (laughs) right now nothing's happening, and we fought those battles with both Army Corps and environmental groups, they say, well, hey, you know, you got the uh, <clears throat> yellowtail, <clears throat> excuse me, flycatcher. And they said it's it's nearly extinct, and I live on the river, and I could tell you there's five nesting pairs right in my backyard. So The yellowtail flycatcher. Yeah, and there's others that are all down through there that they – claim are going extinct in reality we've done a good job about caring for them in the river so anyway there's a lot of uh, hmm. all right let's yeah. take one more call before we take a commercial break hey uh, thanks for calling you're on with andy with gil omquist good morning gentlemen morning uh morning there's there's so many ways to uh waste water but then again there's so many ways to save water and yeah. one uh, suggestion and uh no i i, I tuned in late but uh, one suggestion, people just uh, have a, a bathroom on the other end of the house, and they run that water, keep running, running, running until it gets hot. Yeah. And, there, and there's uh, something you can add to your water heater. It recirculates. It has a timer on it. So you can set it in the morning to recirculate the water uh, for like an hour or so when you normally uh, would take a bath or getting ready for work. Or take a shower getting nobody takes baths anymore. Getting take a shower getting ready for work, or and then in the evening, uh, um, you know, if you take a shower in the evening. But uh, Home Depot sells them. They're like one hundred and eighty dollars. They hook right up to your water heater and they come in that second bathroom and they put the uh, connector on there and you just put that timer on there and you don't just sit there staring at that uh, water until it gets cold, especially or hot, and you know, especially in the winter. Yes, great example. Wait, wasting all that water and then the other example too somebody probably said about this called in about this is uh i had a cat that was allergic to fescue uh, grass and we wanted to let him out in the backyard so it's very small backyard so we just took out the lawn put in our uh, um, uh, imitation grass and there's all different variants of uh, the grass some just look like a uh, uh god what do they call that uh, just a flat green that looks terrible like um, a budding green <laughs> Right, yeah, like a putting green. And then some look so lush, uh, people come in my backyard and say, is that real? <laughs> and we say, no, it's artificial. Uh, and it really, you know, all winter long keeps the backyard looking beautiful yep. with that nice green grass. But, but then again, uh, there's also some HOAs that don't allow that. But, uh, so, but there's just so many ways you can save water. It's just that people just go about their everyday life and they just don't think about that until the time comes when they're, when they're told, all right, your water is going to go up 50% or... Uh, you know, you can only water once a week, and then they start thinking about it. It's, so it's the same old case. People always need to be put, you know, their backs up against the wall before they finally uh, say, uh-oh, I, I better do something here. You know, and it's just kind of sad that it's that way. But there are a lot of ways to save water. You just have to take the time and think about it. And, well, what, what, and uh, 
What a great point. In yeah. fact, uh, I, I'm going to confess, he nailed me like right on the head because I have a, my, our master bathroom is a long way from the water heater and we, t- we turn the water on and wait for it to get hot because, you know, you don't want to take a cold shower, right? And then the other thing was uh, actually in, in our backyard, we have a little space, 10 by 15, that we want to put some grass in, but we're we're actually leaning we're probably going to get artificial turf because they've, they've yeah. come so far <clears throat> artificial turf plus it's not right now plumbed for real grass so we think you know what well i put real grass in there when we can get some pretty nice looking turf i put artificial in our backyard in a little spot i don't have to get the mower down there anymore and um, i just made sure that the water the trees were used to was augmented in another way through a drip but um, yeah i took my back grass out and put in artificial and it's been fine you're you're a landscaper by trade, or you were, right? Yeah. So yeah. you know all about this stuff, probably more a lot more than we do. I think somebody should have a the water meter that's running in the box in the front yard that nobody sees. Mm-hmm. I think that ought to be a on a display on your TV. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> when like you're it. when it's spinning, you say, "Oh my gosh, where are we using water?" You might you might you know get you on Shark Tank. <laughs> yes. Get, get a thing that connects your water here that projects it into your, through Wi-Fi or Bluetooth yes. onto your device, and probably not TV, maybe your phone. Yes, you yes. Phone. That's a great idea. He's Gil Almquist, County Commissioner. Gil, we've got to take a break. We're down to the last six or seven minutes. Love to get more phone calls too, folks. If you want to call at six seven three five eight ninety, we've had some texts, we've had some phone calls. Probably an email or two. I haven't checked lately. I will check on that as we go to break. But to real quick, I want to talk about Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a, a superstar when it, it comes to loan consultants. He's a guy that can get you pretty much any kind of loan that you desire, and he'll do so with a smile on his face. And he'll make you smile, too. He'll keep you uh, really apprised of what's going on all the way through the loan process. His name is Joe Shoney. He averages 4.96 out of 5 stars online. That's phenomenal when you think about that. 508 reviews on the Joe Shoney on the new American Funding website uh, and an average of nearly almost perfect five stars. It's great stuff. Joe Shoney's phone number is 435-590-6300 or you can email Joe joe.shoney s-c-h-o-n-e-y joe.shoney at nafinc.com Ever, ever the, uh, I don't know, is that OCD or what is that, Gil? Uh, he decided <laughs> he was going to take our headset and he was going to get all the knots out of it. Yeah, the cord looks like somebody's played with it and tied it in a bunch of knots. So in that break, I was... I blame Allie. That's usually her headset. I'll bet she ties knots during the break or something. Hey, I want to give back. I want to help out. <laughs> she, just gave me, she gave me the one finger thing just now. So <laughs> I, I retract everything I said about her. It's, it's gone. Uh, we're talking with Gil Almquist. About three minutes left on the show. We do have time for maybe one for, more call if you want to call at 673-5890. Gil, of course, the Washington County Commissioner. How long have you been commissioner now? Uh, just over two years. Two years. And then before that? A two-year break. And then prior to that, eight years on the St. George City Council St. and George City Council. Planning Commission before that. Wow. So you have been involved in public service for quite some time. Uh you know, contrary, if you if you get a job as a, a senator, you know, in in the U.S. Senate or whatever, you get paid pretty well. But uh, being on the city council and the planning and zoning commission is not a lucrative prospect. No, you cannot retire on that. You would definitely need to have another job, and uh, and but it was good service. I, the when I first started out with the planning commission, they gave you twenty five dollars a month, 
and that was to pay for some of the site visits that you go on. $25 a month. Yep, then they bumped that up to 50 About I, I was there 16 years, and they bumped it up to about 50 for the last half of those uh, for the same reason, you know, gas reimbursement. And then city council was, uh, you know, you had good health insurance, which is always a perk and must be figured in with any job. Um, but that was also about a thousand dollars a month for being on a city council, hmm. and um, yeah, you, you don't retire from that. Planning and zoning, fifty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long does a planning and zoning meeting last? Three, four hours? Yes, uh, some were pretty, <laughs> pretty longer, long. Yeah. Longer than that. Yeah. Starting at five, ending at eleven. Sometimes that was long time. All right, let's take a couple more calls. We're with Gil Almquist. Hey, uh, good morning to you. What's on your mind? Good morning. Um, I had a comment about zero landscapes. Yeah. Now, I'm not an expert, but I was born in what was then considered to be the hottest permanently occupied community in the entire Western world. It's called Toronto, California, just outside of Death Valley. Okay. And we actually had rules that said we had to have shade trees and grass. Now, because of the lack of water, we had a dual pipe system, one with culinary water and one with salt water came from a nearby salt playa. One minute left. But the reason why we had that was because it made a difference of about 20 degrees. Yes. And cut down our electricity demands by that much. And But the grass was a major part of that because yeah. the grass perspires also. We can't tear out all of our grass. We can tear out some. We put the challenge out to all the mayors on a Tuesday call in to look at 10% of the grass in their realm and see if they could remove 10% that's just not necessary for soccer or ball fields or things like that. And all the mayors are doing that right now just to see if we can take take away the unnecessary grass. But, yeah, uh, Tucson, check it out. They have a million tree program in Tucson that they want to plant because they tore them all out 10, 10 15 years ago to save water. Now they're regretting it. So the intuition, the, the gut feeling is, oh, we should get rid of the trees. They're using too much water yeah. when actually it's uh, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, willows and cottonwoods, yeah, they use way too much water, but there's other trees out there that hardly use any. Gail, thanks for coming on today. It's always a pleasure. Back at you. Thank 9. you. 9.59 on KDXU. Time now for news.